All right, I'm going to go in the intro now. All right, hit it. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 12 of Hip Squared, American Fantastic's pop culture podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? Dude, I could still use an app right now. Ah, man. Well, it's a little late for that. I mean, a nap is just any, like, time that you go to sleep for mm. less than, what, two hours? Well... I mean, you can have a two-hour nap. Yeah, you can what? have a two-hour or less nap. I just think what? that going to take a nap at 8.30 would mean you'd be up until, like, three in the morning. Well, or at least I would. That's the question is, what classifies as a nap? Like, at what point are you having a nap and just going to sleep in the middle of the day? I think... So anything between 20 minutes and two hours is a nap. Anything over two hours is, I don't know. Because I feel like you have to get at least four and to be asleep. So I don't know what's between the two and the four hour mark. That's just irresponsible. But this brings up another question of what's under, what is it when it's under 20 minutes? Is that a cat nap? It's 40 winks. 40 winks? Yeah. What if you only hit 38 winks in? And then above two hours, this is, look, we could plumb these <laughs> mysteries for a while, but we probably really should probably get to our topics. you disrupt the fabric of the space-time continuum. Right. Or you just never wake up again. You just never, you do it, Rip Van Winkle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we are going to talk about um, a couple nerdy topics today. It's like that close, trying to relate. It's like, <laughs> nope, not this time. All right. <laughs> Um, we're going to talk about two interplay, uh, computer role-playing games from the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, they're both Dungeons and Dragons properties, uh, and they both use the same gaming engine, the infinity engine, which was a PC, uh, role-playing game engine that had possible real-time combat. Um, and these are both following the AD&D rule book. Yeah. yeah okay and uh the first one's called Baldur's gate so oh i should mention like mm-hmm. if this is one of those episodes that if you're really into the topic this can be a really um, interesting episode if you're not i'm sorry that's okay. but hey you can learn about something new and yeah. maybe get yourself interested in these Expand games your horizons you can still find them sorry go ahead <laughs> yeah you can find both of these on god good old games and i, I believe steam too and mm-hmm. i think they all have enhanced editions now mm-hmm. so they've They've been updated to run on new computers, and some of the bugs have gotten removed, and they have a few extra goodies. So if you've played through them once um, and you're remembering these fondly, you can also play through them again um, in their new and enhanced versions. Right on. Um, So Butter's Gate is the more traditional Dungeons & Dragons campaign setting Forgotten Realms, which is like your Tolkien-esque medieval fantasy world. It's got humans, it's got elves, it's got dwarves so and halflings and halflings which are like hobbits without being called hobbits because mm. that's trademarked i think wow don't trade but they do still trademark. have the hairy feet and everything of course do yeah. they have hairy feet mm-hmm. i thought they were just like shorter humans no halflings are hobbits they're just not halflings called... i thought halflings were just shorter humans they no. didn't have the bigger bellies and the hairy feet they... that hobbits do no, they definitely do and they oh. have it's kind of like the same sort of cultural milieu like they i think they're kind of mm. um farmers kind yeah, of live out on their own yeah but i think in um they're a little bit more adventurous in dungeons and dragons because they go on adventures not just when the world's about to end mm-hmm. and they're great burglars yeah they, or, yeah, they are or rogues and <laughs> they're good burglars yeah i think that's they get like a dexterity bonus which just means they can move faster and they're like more agile and things like that all right now that we've buried the lead go ahead well <laughs> I was just kind of, we're doing like letting people know what kind of world it's like. And there's also all the evil, quote unquote, evil races like your goblins and mm-hmm. your ogres and Orcs. there's dragons and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And what makes this game unique? So it was the first um, Dungeons and Dragons video game that looked really gorgeous. And it didn't have the kind of 3D graphics that were really popular at the time, like you would see in Final Fantasy VII or um, Super Mario 64, other games of that era. It looked more like the Fallout games Mm -hmm. uh, that had come out um, around the same time. So they were kind of like a three-quarters view, like um, looking down at a board game or like looking down from a like almost like a bird's-eye view. Yeah, it's isometric. Isometric, yeah. And mm-hmm. all of the graphics are hand-painted, so they all look like um, you can – it's it's kind of like you can see the little people moving around. Right. And so like you'll see like a village where all the buildings are hand-painted in, and so it looks – really beautiful it kind of looks like you're looking almost like at an old-fashioned painting mm-hmm. i was gonna say a painting yeah yeah and 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 so that's part of um the charm of the games is they're just really beautiful to look at they also have cool background music they have good sound effects um and they have a lot of really neat characters so you get to make your characters kind of a blank slate and you, so you can choose any of the races you can choose any class that you want like traditional D classes um but your background in uh, the original Baldur's Gate is you're in this, uh, you're the ward of a man named Gorion, who's kind of like a, a a mage, but also sort of like a scribe or almost like a monk. And you live in Candlekeep, which is this enormous library where knowledge is kind of like the currency. And um, you, you're kind of cloistered there, but eventually um, Gorion tells you that you have to leave because your life is in danger, and that's kind of what starts you out on your adventure. Okay, I was wondering if he was going to be a character that like you go back to all the time. Um, yeah, it's it's your character through the whole story. Oh, sorry, Garion. Like, Garion. If you're gonna no. like see him, and he's gonna be your mentor. Garion is game. kind of like the Obi Wan Kenobi figure almost. Oh, okay, so he's like your mentor, but he spoiler he dies at the, like the very beginning Duh. of the game, <laughs> which is kind of cool though, be- well, because it's what propels you on your quest, and you it gives you a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. Um. So after so basically you uh leave Candlekeep with your mentor and then you're attacked by this figure wearing this like really grim looking armor. Ooh, scary armor. He must yeah. be a friend he must be a friend boy. No, he's like the main villain of the no. first game. Oh, damn yeah. it. He's like your Ganondorf for I'm so your, bad at guessing. your Sephiroth. Sephiroth equivalent. Yeah, exactly. His name is Saravok, which mm, is hang on. It's really close to Sephiroth. It is kind of close to Sephiroth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the creepy sounding D and D fantasy name. Mm. Um, and so Sephiroth and a couple of um, bounty hunters. You don't know who these people are yet, um, but you learn who they are through the campaign. They murder Garion, and Garion dies so that you can get away. So he casts a few spells, but he ultimately dies. And he mm-hmm. tells you um, if anything happens to him, to go to the Friendly Arm Inn and meet up with Jahira and Khalid. Hmm. Uh, they they're both half elves. Uh, Khalid is a warrior, and he's kind of um, he's sort of like Sir Galahad from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Okay, so he's very like cowardly in a way, or at mm-hmm. least he seems sort of wimpy. But he's also like still very valiant. Is that Galahad? I think so. Oh no, it's Sir Robin. It's Sir Robin. Yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry. Go <laughs> so ahead. he doesn't actually run away, but he's got got that like um, more hesitant personality. And Jahira is a druid, and she's kind of like just um, a badass. Mm-hmm. 
And then you, uh, so eventually there's this iron crisis going on. So that's what thrusts you into it. You have to figure out why all the iron is crumbling. And that thrusts you on this big adventure where you eventually learn that you are a demigod. Whoa. Yeah. So there was this uh, era called the Time of Troubles where all the gods incarnated. Mm-hmm. And um, Baal, who's one of the evil gods, kind of like went on this reign of destruction and terror, but he also spawned all of these humanoids. Mm-hmm. And so whatever race you are, your mother is of that race. Um, and then mm-hmm. Baal is the uh, is your father. Oh. And you eventually learn that through the campaign. And what Severok is doing is he's trying to murder all the Baal spawn so that he um, has all the power of all, all these oh. demigods. Hmm, okay. And you're trying to survive and kind of like uncover this mystery of all because of, there's this huge kind of conspiracy going on mm. on the Sword Coast, which is this region that Baldur's Gate is in to take power. And so that's kind of like the plot that propels you forward. Okay. Um, and the characters are really charming. So you you gain a party, and it's up to you who you want to have in your party. You kind of you can kind of swap them in and mm-hmm. out throughout the game. Exactly. Sure. And, and one of the things that's really neat is it gives you the option to be neutral or evil, so you don't have to play the, through the game as a good character. Oh, okay, yeah. And you can get a bunch of evil NPCs, so you can have an evil party who bullies people, um, just actually cut throat, and you oh, can God. still get through the story. Yeah. But instead of trying to kind of, like, set things right and, um, and make things good, mm-hmm. you basically just also go on your own little reign of terror <laughs> and opposition to Savarok. Revenge is a terrible thing. Exactly. Um, but some of my favorite characters, the first one is Minsk. And he is uh, this... Uh, he's kind of like a slightly insane um, fighter. Okay. And he has a little hamster companion that he talks to all the time yes. <laughs> named Boo. Oh, that's great. And so he's just kind of like over the top and... Um, and ridiculous, but the funniest thing is, is like, so all these characters, depending on what action they're doing, like whether they're attacking somebody, whether you're selecting them, mm-hmm. they have their personality in terms of like how they'll respond to you, the like the meta player, sure, or each other when they're in uh, parties together. They're kind of getting conversations from time to time. Oh, okay, um, we can hear a little bit of Minsk. A den of stinking evil. <laughs> Cover your nose, boo. We will leave no crevice untouched. <laughs> and so uh, you can hear boo in the background, of course. And they, and, and so it's like they have these over-the-top, at least Minsk has an over-the-top personalities, and he's one of the most beloved characters from the series. And what's really neat is um, he between the first and the second games, mm-hmm. uh, some of the characters go forward with you. Right, because I know, like, I had heard of Baldur's Gate 2, because I'm pretty sure... Uh, when I was a kid, there uh, up in John's old room, he had a bunch of his old PC games saved, or his old PC game boxes were up there. And the one I do remember was Baldur's Gate Two was up there. Yeah. And I tried loading it up at one point, but I think the computer was too new at that point. Uh, Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were all. When I played through them the first time, they were all on CDs, and it mm-hmm. was one of those where you get to a certain point, and then you have to take one CD out and load the other one. <laughs> yep. It also had. Um, I remember when you had to buy physical games; they always had a really good smell to them. Mm-hmm. And like the instruction book was really cool. And I, um, I never played actual tabletop Dungeons & Dragons very much until in the last few years, but I learned between the gold box games, which were even more old school, and Baldur's Gate, all the rules of Dungeons mm-hmm. & Dragons, so like the classes, the um, how the rule, like the actual physical dice rolls were, because you could, um, 
one of the cool things is you could actually like see them if you wanted to. Oh, okay. And so it taught you a lot about how to play those games. And what was really neat too, that was unique about this. So when my in the gold box games, it's like tabletop rules where you roll for initiative, and then every player um, or enemy or NPC has their own little part of combat where they are the ones moving around, right. and performing actions. Well, on Baldur's Gate, and with the um, Infinity Engine, which they developed for Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate Two. Uh, Icewind Dale, and then um, a playing, few others. Yeah, a few other games. You could um, pause the combat anytime you wanted to, and then issue commands to all your characters. Right. And so the enemy is also doing this too. So it's it's like every character is performing actions and moving simultaneously, which but, is really neat. But it lets it does a couple things. It lets you really micromanage if you want to, or if you don't, you can step back and let the characters take along. Um, not a lot of times you'll die if you do that. Yeah. Um, but it will like you can set it to lower difficulties if what you're really interested in is the story. Yeah. And then you can step back, and it becomes. Some people don't like that micromanage. Some people love it, so you can kind of play it how you want. Yeah, I I love the micromanaging because I felt like the battles are really challenging, and if you mm-hmm. don't have a specific strategy to exploit, you're usually going to get wiped out. There is some luck involved just because there's rolls, so. right? But luckily, you can just save and load your game whenever you want to. And I also developed my own kind of strategies for combat and exploring maps because a lot of times what you're doing is you're going through a dungeon or you're going through like a hostile fortress or something like that well that's a big part of all of these kind of games is like you've got this party together okay now every time your party comes up to a fight what happens yeah how do you how do you resolve uh combat and all of that exactly and a lot of them are story-based so you'll have to have a dialogue to initiate it Mm -hmm. and that kind of like just makes you face off but when you're doing the dungeon goal parts what I would always do is I would have a rogue kind of character. You can mm-hmm. use Emowyn, who is the thief in the first game. She's like your human sidekick. Mm-hmm. And um, that way she can kind of sneak. And um, I, you can have them, give them items that increase their stealth. And I would always have her sneak and stealthily find the enemies um, and either shoot an arrow out of them or backstab them. Oh, okay, sure, then, to start everything off. Yeah, and then you can lead them back to where your party is oh. and, and have an ambush set up. Nice. So as soon as they get back, my magic users would start doing spells at them, and then as soon as they got all the way up, my tanks would come in. But but if I had archers or I had ranged weapons, you could use that to Clear soften them up. Yeah. And usually that was enough. Um, so that was a really good kind of system. It kept... It keeps the game moving fairly quickly, like mm-hmm. like fairly good paced because you always have a dungeon or a big challenge, like a main quest that you can keep going through. The stories are divided up into chapters, and you can also do side quests mm-hmm. uh, to gain experience and meet new characters. Um, it's very open world, so there is a campaign plot, right? but you can do... You can explore the world in any order that you want to, mm-hmm. and so it has. It's neat because it is story based and character based, but then it's also gives you a ton of freedom. So it's to me, it's really neat. It's kind of like it gives you the story of a JRPG, but mm-hmm. it gives you a flexibility of a Western RPG. Right, you got that sandbox, but you can kind of pick around where you want to go in the sandbox. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, I also wanted to talk a little bit about one of my other favorite characters, Jahira. Okay. Because she breaks the fourth wall. And so... Um, oh, it's she's Deadpool. Sorry. Yeah. And, and the game does have a lot of, like, a cheeky sense of humor in parts. Sure. And, uh, and she's part of that, too. Yes, oh, omnipresent authority figure. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll give you, um, they'll give you like, kind of little jokes like that. And um, other games did that, too, of the time. So if you play uh, Warcraft 1 or 2, mm-hmm. if you keep poking on the characters, <laughs> they basically are like, leave me alone and stuff and things like that. Um, 
But Baldur's Gate has that too. Um, so if you like ex games where you're able to explore, go on quests, um, develop your characters however you want to, because your main character can be whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. You can be good, you can be evil. Um, and if you like that that kind of uh, fantasy adventure storytelling, um, it's really fun games to get into. They're not, too, this one specifically isn't too heavy, so there's humor mixed throughout. The right. combat's really good. Um, and it's, I would put it up there as one of my favorite video games of all time and um, probably my favorite role-playing game of all time, at least for computers. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Nice. So heavily recommend it. And like I said, they're available now on Steam or GOG if you do want to play them or replay them. Set that bar pretty high. Well, we're not going to like stray too far from this topic because <laughs> mine covers something very similar. Um, so in the same vein as Baldur's Gate, uh, John was mentioning a few other games that were released on the Infinity Engine, and one of them was Planescape Torment. Um, Planescape Torment is a bit different from Baldur's Gate and uh, these other style games in a couple ways, and I'm going to point those out since John talked about like the general way that the game runs. Um, the big way it's different is that at the beginning, instead of choosing your um, race, you are uh, automatically set as a specific guy, essentially. Uh, and that character is the nameless one. Um, and the nameless one is this person. So at the very beginning of the game, you wake up on a slab, and you're essentially in a um, uh, morgue, and you've died. And that's that's uh, what you can figure out. Next to you is a talking skull by the name of Mort that uh, tells you how rough, uh, rough off you look and... Uh, notices that a bunch of your body parts are falling out. Um, yeah, and, you kind of look like a zombie-esque yeah, kind of character. Yes, you look like a zombie-esque kind of character. Um, and pretty early on in the game, you figure out um, you are this character or you are this person who has impacted a lot of people in the world, but you remember none of it. Um, and by the by, what everybody said, you kept a journal that you would always write down in like, what you had done, and how you'd interact with people, and then you would reference that journal. Well, at the beginning of the game, you don't have that journal. The journal's been lost. So a big part of the beginning game is finding that journal to try and figure out who you are and what is your backstory. Um, the things it does do the same, you kind of create a class. Uh, I don't know if... I can't remember if it has specific classes. Yeah. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah, you can create class. You can determine mm -hmm. your ability scores and everything yes. like that. Is I think what's kind of different is it. You do get gear that I think changes your appearance, right? Um, I believe so. But you mostly look fairly similar throughout. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, you mostly look like a big zombie. Yeah, you can't <laughs> change your physical form too much, but you can change your gear. Right. And uh, the game, uh, so the game follows this kind of pattern that's different than many of the other. Um, isometric RPG style games, and that, and every. Uh, build that I looked at, quote-unquote build that I looked at when I was starting the game, recommended the same thing, and that is um, start out the game, max your intelligence, max your wisdom, don't care about anything else. And then maybe, like, increase your decks. Because the best part of this game is the story. Um, the story and the narrative between the characters and some of the ideas that they try and pass on are fantastic. Um, Mort's this skull and it becomes pretty clear that like he doesn't really know why he's like why he even bothers still being alive but he's around and he's always checking out hot uh hot dead women he's like your wise cracking sidekick right and uh 
like that whole dynamic and the just the conversations that come up between that mean that you want to keep your if you keep your intelligence high and there are certain um discussions or certain questions that you can ask that you wouldn't be able to otherwise and this is another big thing that comes up in i don't know if it comes up in Baldur's gate but actually it, it does and the same people that made Baldur's gate also made uh fallout one and two mm-hmm. and in those games if you were a really dumb character you would have very basic speech right and, and like even like just what you were able to say and um would affect your conversation trees and how they would branch. And if you're really smart, you would have even more options. And I think there might've been some too with like high charisma, like maybe you could manipulate That's probably people or big like one those too, kinds yeah. of things too. Yeah. And like, this is, this is something that we have, we saw less and less for a while. Um, these games were, that were like very dependent on the conversation because they didn't have um, as much, the big flashy graphics and the uh, the animation style that like the big AAA budgets. I'm thinking like Skyrim and Fallout Three had. Yeah. So it, they focused on the dialogue. Exactly, and and compared to the games that came out in the same time period, like um, Final Fantasy Seven VII and Eight, mm-hmm. and games like that, those games, the way they did storytelling is you, it was very linear, mm-hmm. and so you would kind of go from one objective to the next, and then there would be long cutscenes that would give you the story too and your characters are really rich and developed but you didn't have any flexibility whereas mm-hmm. in these kinds of games and, and fallout included you could decide whether you wanted to be mean whether you wanted to be kind whether you wanted to be meek or bold and so um it adds a lot of flavor and choice to the game but you still have have the overarching story that you're playing through it's just you're determining how you want to play it right and one big way that uh conversations and interactions are handled is in the way of factions so there are a ton of different factions in the world of planescape um and one of the first ones you made i'll talk about really quick are the dustmen and essentially these are the people that take care of the morgue and their whole philosophy is um life doesn't matter just try and get through it the best you can and you um they end up using a lot of the people that have died essentially they will buy like especially people that are poor they will give them money and say hey all you have to do is give service to us after you've died you're already dead you won't care it doesn't matter but as long as you give serv- uh give your service of your body to us we'll give you this money now and that's their whole fault like that's how they uh, like have work through their system so when you wake up in the morgue there's a bunch of zombies that are walking around and they're all like these people that have been collected by the dustmen. Um, they're kind of like undead automatons, right? And they and they were sold like they quote unquote like sold themselves uh, when they were still alive because there were there are dustmen out there that are trying to convince people like, hey, you're not going to need your body. Can we use it? <laughs> Which is uh, kind of I don't know provocative strange creepy yeah, but uh well i think that's kind of part of what planescape and its character is that it's it's almost horror themed mm-hmm. well and the, yeah sorry and then one of the things like that in that particular application uh where these people are trying to like buy bodies there's one point of conversation where somebody else comes in and says it's like hey maybe you don't want to do that and you don't know what's in the afterlife maybe you don't want to sell so you have that uh there's that conversation between these two dynamics and the game tries to um, push, like, philosophy questions your way and kind of, like, make you think. Um, that's one way, and that's, like, one example, but it's uh, it's all over the game. And, uh, and I know another one, although I never got to it. Um, there's a 
world that you go to where I believe it's anything that you imagine becomes reality and the consequences you have to deal with when you can imagine anything. <laughs> That's neat. It sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Right. And obviously in the game, like you only have a listed number of things you can imagine, but what happens when that, when that happens? And also you're not the only person there. Other people are thinking the same thing. Um, and it's one of those, like if it, it's the, or is it what you're thinking becomes reality or is it what you think becomes truth? It's one of those two. The game has these, these like broad, like ideas and kind of over the top concepts that it uh, pushes that no other game really can just because they don't give you that kind of freedom. And they, the writers of the game who I have no idea who they are, I know it was developed by black, uh, black Isle studios, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure who the actual writers were. Um, went well over and beyond something that you would expect for a game like this. Yeah, I mean, the the themes and the the production that went into these and the writing and the the world building is really rich, and especially for the time. Um, like, you, if you f you'll find books and letters, at least in Baldur's Gate, I don't know if there's an equivalent in Planescape, but like it'll it'll tell you histories mm -hmm. of things sure that you don't right. even have to read. It's just kind of like flavor that you can get i'm sure they are and like games like that love doing and, that those and, little blips of uh flavor well even the items that you get like right. sometimes like if you get something magical it'll tell you the story behind it or something strong or powerful and mm -hmm. um there's usually i think with the characters you can read their biographies which are just short summaries of who they are mm -hmm. and don't don't let me uh get you wrong this game does like it is it has its humor in it too um but it's mostly um I'm trying to think. It's mostly like poking fun of the genre. Like one of the big things is your characters is just falling apart all the time. So at one point you can go see a woman and she'll and you'll be like, she can. Uh, she's normally looks inside of um, dead people and like harvest anything that she sees valuable. So if you go to her, she'll root around inside you and pull like. If you ask her, it's like, why don't you check out my abdomen? She'll cut you open and pull out your intestines and you're like, here you go. <laughs> so I think my character right now is just carrying his intestines around in his backpack. Does it's, that give you any sort of advantage? Or no, no. It's, it's just a flavor thing. It's just a weird thing you can do. Yep. It, I mean, and that's that's like like one of those weird one of those weird things in the games. Mort, um, his character, since he's just a skull, he becomes one of your allies, but he's just a skull. So he can't really carry weapons. So what are his weapons? Like weapon Doesn't upgrades. Doesn't he just bite you and things like that? He or? just bites you. So what are his weapon upgrades? Like jaws and You can get and new stuff. teeth. That's cool. You can, you can equip new teeth to Mort and then he gets better. I think you can also equip um, new eyeballs to increase your perception. That's cool. Because you're not like, because you're not um, like really changing gear that much. So it's got this whole flavor around it that's very unique to Planescape Torment. Um, and it's got this, I know there are a lot of questions in it. It's one of those, I, it's one of those games that I started playing it a while back. I stopped because I had other things going on. And then I started playing it again recently and I've stopped again. And it's, I never stop because I don't want to play it anymore, but there is just so much to it. Yeah. Like it's a big game. But These I, games give you a lot of freedom to explore and you can kind of pick them up and pick them back down again. Um, mm -hmm. I, there's also journals. Mm -hmm. That you can, it kind of records what quests you've gone on and what you've done in the past. Well, that's the, yeah. I, Sorry, it reminds me because uh, in the game, like anytime you update your journal, you have the main character goes, updated my journal. And it, it's <laughs> like in his voice, like, well, what? Yeah, and that's that's the neat thing about these games too is the voices and the sounds and the production value are really high. Mm -hmm. um, and they add a lot of flavor to it. And especially with Planescape, it's, it's very trippy. Yeah, it's kind of like um, 
It's almost like reading Dante's Inferno or in Greek mythology when characters would go into the underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's neat to have that kind of setting where it's it's all almost like metaphysical. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's very much the game. It's, it 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 goes very deep and it tries to get into some deep ideas. Um, if you're up for it, it's great. If you want to get like into these these kind of philosophical questions that they ask, I think one of the big question questions they ask is what makes a man. Mm-hmm. And kind of like um, how the game digs into that is very interesting. And I've been told that's like one of the big questions that I haven't gotten to yet. So I, I have a friend who's played through the whole game and has told me multiple times, dude, you need to play through this. Yeah. One of those, I know. I know <laughs> I need to play through it. I just haven't done it yet. You should, um, if you ever finish it, you should give us an update. I, I will. If I ever if I ever get all the way through it, I'll bring it back up on the show. Um, um, so I think that's pretty much all I have for that. It's It's got great puzzles. It's a really good classic game. Um, I did want to mention there's a couple other games that are new, that are out now, um, that are in the same genre as these games. And kind of like they try and go back and reach get the nostalgia factor of those games into nowadays. I think Pillars of Eternity is mm-hmm. the one I know of. It's really strongly inspired by mm. the... Infinity Engine and these this era of games. Right. There's Pillars of Eternity, and then they came up with the second one, so there's Pillars of Eternity 2. Um, and then there's also uh, Sins? Sins? I don't know no. that one. Mm, there's, <laughs> there's another... Oh, shoot. This is why I should have looked it up before. There's another one that um, is very popular, and then the third one is very recent. Um, was called Pathfinder um, oh, yeah, Kingmaker, I think. Mm. Um, and if you look that one up on Steam, uh, you'll notice it gets mixed reviews. I think you can pretty much ignore those now because um, when the game came out, it was advertised very big. It was a big budget game, so they charged a lot and had a ton of bugs to make it unplayable. Oh, that's a bummer when people rush release, but then it gets patched and upgraded. And... Eight months later, people have gone back and said, because this was, this was released about a year, year and a half ago. Now, the game state where it's at is fantastic. I know I have, there's a... Uh, Twitch streamer who's played through the game at least uh, one and a half times. So he played through it right when it came out, and he just finished a second playthrough. And you can put, like, I kid you not, 160 hours into this game. That's cool. Yeah, it's a huge game. Um, and he said, I plan to play it again because the characters are so interesting. Yeah, and you can play through it a different way. So like, mm-hmm. even if you played Baldur's Gate, you could play it as a, like, in the first game, you could be a really noble paladin who always does what's right and just and then in the second game it could be an evil necromancer that can raise zombies and have them fight for you and mm-hmm. just be bl- evil and black-hearted through the through the entire game i've got a i've heard a lot of really good things about pathfinder kingmaker it was one i was thinking about getting but knew that i would have issues playing with playing it especially since i still haven't finished playing scape torment uh because there's so much to that game um but with um pathfinder there was one particular interaction that the streamer loved where he, the first time he played through the game, he made one comment at a bar about another one of the characters, and that impacted that character like throughout the entire game. That's neat. And by avoiding that comment uh, another time, it came, it resulted in a completely different ending. Yeah. That's so. a, well, and, and that's neat, too, when you can have quests wrap up in different ways or depending on how you decide to do things, the story will tell be told differently right and you, it, it's it's neat when it's those small individual moments i like it less when it's the big overalls like were you a good character or were you a bad character and you have the two different endings but here like you can have since you have character specific quests where you follow characters through 
just you get those differences too. So. Yeah, it's really neat. Those are they're really rich games to play, and I'm glad that the style has been resurrected for a new generation or for old players to kind of um, go through it again. Because I think from a storytelling standpoint, they're really effective because you can develop rich characters and storylines. They give you a lot of freedom, and they they can also ooze charm and just have really enchanting characters and cool settings. Well, and the thing that makes these games great is that you can spend more money on you can spend more of your budget on writing and less of it on the graphics, exactly. which is what you can't do with a AAA game. You mm-hmm. have to spend it on the graphics. So. Yeah, and and I think having a smaller team a lot of times can enhance the experience of the game because you get the voice and ideas of the creators to shine through more because there's less of them. So they, they definitely have their own character, which is neat. Mm-hmm. Um, we did want to thank you all very much for listening to Hip Squared. Um, if you'd like to, you can check out the rest of our episodes on Google Podcast, iTunes. You can check them out on the audio section of the American Fantastic website. Uh, all our episodes of the American Fantastic Radio Hour are also there. Um, the spring update for American Fantastic has been released. Woo! So uh, if you haven't caught up on that yet, uh, you can see some new art and photography. Um, and Troy made a really cool logo for Hip yeah. Square that we're, um, we're going to update for the podcast. And you can also check it out um, on our site. Following American Fantastic on Facebook is um, the best way to be kept in the loop when we come out with up- updates. Uh, you can also subscribe to us in your podcatcher so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. Um, did want to thank danosongs.com for our intro and outro music. Thanks, Dano. And if you want any royalty-free music for your project, you can check, definitely check out danosongs.com. Uh, we were produced today by Mayplex Monk. Thanks, Maple. And if you want to, you can uh, go to mayplexmonk.com to see some of the other projects that he's got going on. Um, and um, there's a few different ways that you can support us. Uh, the biggest one would just be to tell your friends and um, invite other people to listen, especially if there's a cool nerdy topic or something else that you think people uh, would be into. That's a really good way to introduce them to the show. Um, you can also... Share us on social media. You can support us on Patreon. Become a member for as little as a dollar a month. Anything helps. And, um, yeah, we uh, invite you to keep listening. And if you'd like to give us any feedback, you can leave a comment when we post it on Facebook. Or you can email us at AmericanFantastic at gmail.com. All right. Uh, Troy, is there anything I forgot? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, we'll see you in the next time. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.